0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and NA member FDIC. In
1: 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Fans, welcome to Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the show, and thank you to our partners Indeed and Bet Online for sponsoring Bulls HQ. On the show today, with preseason basketball one week away, I wanted to talk about preseason expectations and ultimately regular season expectations. Now that Bulls basketball is so close to returning and Whenever we think of expectation, it ultimately leads to predictions, and who better to have on to predict the future of the upcoming season than the man who is known as a bull's prophet and historian? Now, yes, sure, you may be right in saying that the only person that refers to him as a prophet is he himself, whilst most others, like myself, simply view him as a deluded homer. That is definitely true, but do you know what else is true? This man is a Bulls diehard fan. He's the host of the Chicago Bullseye and Big Red Bus podcast, and on occasions, a fun person I actually enjoy talking to. He is, of course, C. Red Fred, a.k.a. Fred P. from the United States of America. Frederick, how are you, sir?
0: Oh, Mark, I'm living the dream. The, the, the Red Leviathan cometh like a thief in the night. So I'm so excited. I can't even uh, contain myself. But you know what really brings me the most joy at this time of year? What's that? I'm just so happy to see how you've progressed in the ways of the Sea Red Force, my young Padawan. Watching your Twitter battles with Darth Doggable Bloggable, it's so heartwarming to see you battle. All these things you've learned from me, it's just, it's incredible. I can't tell you how much I love
1: it. you take taking care so for buddy. this, are you? <laughs> What's that? I'm definitely not Sea Red. I will never be Sea Red. Yeah, just just so we're clear, I will never be C-Red. You're C-Red, I, Mark. Embrace it. No, you no, love No, it. no, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> I just, I'm just, i just prepared to give AK some time here, which some people clearly aren't for whatever reason. I, I, <laughs> I, I, so I, I don't know why there is so much... I don't know. Well, that's his
0: brand. He's so, a Russian bot. No, it's not just It's There's
1: a lot of people within the fan base who are just antsy right now, not happy that changes weren't made and that, that certain things did or didn't happen. And I don't know. I just I just kind of think it's all reactionary. I think it's all crazy talk. Uh, I, I just think it's complete common sense for a new group who hasn't had anything to do with these players to maybe just get a, a little bit of, of a look in, in, in how they sort of perform as a unit under a new coach. That doesn't. That's not to say there won't be changes going forward or that I wouldn't be disappointed if there weren't changes going forward. But I also just don't think it's insane that you know, AK may want to see this team on the floor under his regime, under his new coaching first. I, I just don't think that's crazy to think. And I do think it's crazy that some people are just flying off the deep end in expecting some wholesale changes. So I just don't get it. But uh, I will never be C-Red. I'll just, again, I will never be C-Red.
0: <laughs> You're C-Red. And on that, <laughs> your other points were 100% in agreement. It's just incredibly insane to me, some of the criticisms. I, I thought you criticized on the last... Bulls beat with the great one, the Podfather Doug Tonus, which is a, a must listen for all Bulls fans out there. Um, I really enjoyed it for the most part, except when he asked you, "Well, what, what what do you want to criticize?" And you brought up this inane Chris Paul. Well, they didn't make that move. Let me just let's get this straight right now, once and for all, for all you Chris Paul fans out there, that would have been an epically dumb move tying no, down. This oft-injured old playoff choke artist for what? (laughs) So we can exit in the first round and giving up a 2022 pick, first-round pick? Now, let's just get this straight, right? You agree with me that trading a 2022 first-round pick would have been dumb, right? You're admitting we should not have traded that pick for Chris Paul.
1: I'm— well, it's not just that. It remain, remains to be seen if they get that pick. I mean, there's pick protections on it, I believe. I, 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 I don't may think be there are. I may be mistaken. I don't but in, think- the, yeah, in the trade proposals that I was proposing for the Bulls, was a protective first round pick. Now. You say that I was critical of AK in that conversation that I had with Doug on on the Bulls beat, and you said that on the the Big Red Bus, your, your last podcast that you've done with Doug. But I I wasn't critical. I didn't think I was critical at all. I said what I I would have liked to have seen it, but at the same time, I made it clear that I understood why he didn't go that way. I I would have gone after it. He he didn't clearly, but at the same time, I'm not mad about it. So I just found it funny that you interpreted it as criticism, even though I tried my best to make it sure. It didn't come off as
0: Well, The first words out of your mouth were, I would have done something like I would have done the Chris Paul trade, and at that point I just started screaming, and I missed everything <laughs> else you said from that point forward. Uh. Just insanity. you know. But There's two legitimate criticisms you can have, right? Number one, um, you can criticize a draft pick if you wanted somebody else, which I did. I wanted Isaac Okoro, but uh, I, I was happy that he didn't take Denny uh, average. I'm very excited now about Patrick Williams, and you know we'll see if he's right or wrong <laughs> but it's just like a waste of time to criticize him for it and it's it's kind of foolhardy because we don't know i've been wrong before in my draft evaluations rarely but off but sometimes <laughs> and then the other legit criticism is you could say you know letting a player of chris dunn's qual, you know quality leave for nothing mm-hmm. i think that's a legit criticism but mm-hmm. you know i'm not going to lose any sleep about it I, I i think overall the roster might be slightly worse with that decision um, because I do, I am concerned about perimeter defense, but you know, this year is all about three things and I'll start with this because I think this is what everybody needs to write down and understand. Before the trade deadline, we need to know three things. Can Kobe and Zach play together? Can Laurie Markkinen return to his February 2019 form which was 26 points, 12 rebounds in over 10 games in that month? And can Wendell Carter Jr. approach his offensive ceiling which is what I saw at Duke. And uh, he's already a defensive stud. We all know that. Those three things are the only three things that matter. And so, you know, getting all frustrated or angry about decisions made so far in this offseason, I think is foolhardy and dumb. And I think you're in, in complete agreement.
1: I am. I, I agree with most of what you said. I don't, I don't really care that they let go of Chris Dunn. Um, I, that's, that is most definitely a move I would have done. Um, I, and clearly he's. Uh, it's been reported that he's still injured. So... Um, who knows if you'd even be playing at this point? So I don't care about losing Chris Dunn. That, that that doesn't bother me at all. Um, I'm expecting changes to come at some point. I don't think Thad Young and Satoransky are long for this franchise beyond the trade deadline. Obviously, if they are here beyond that, and in, and and at that point, maybe I feel differently. But. Yeah, holistically, I'm not too concerned right now. But the points that you just touched on, that everyone apparently has to write down a note and note, um, and, and make very clear to themselves as we head towards the 2021 NBA season, specifically for the Bulls. And I wanted to expand on them because they're going into and thinking about preseason now. I mean, I I just wanted to get your opinion on on certain certain aspects of this team. That you will be watching, and clearly you just noted that that noted those three key ones down. I had noted them down too, but maybe we can expand on that, and maybe we can start with the whole dynamic between Kobe White and Zach Levine under a new coach and Billy Donovan. It's quite clear that the that the Bulls obviously they drafting a wing like Patrick Williams, not really targeting a point guard in the backcourt via free agency. It's clear that they that at least through the opening months of the season that they're going to be comfortable handing over the reins. To to Kobe White specifically, who Billy Donovan essentially has said through media week at this point that he will probably be the lead creator. Uh, So it's going to be Kobe. It's going to be Zach Levine. They're going to be the ones effectively running the offense. There will be others chiming in here and there. But what do you make of this Kobe-Levine tandem? Do you think it can work? What do you think about Kobe as a point guard? Hit, Hit me up, Frederick. Well,
0: I think number one, I was relieved to see he addressed my first point. Um, And uh, just one quick message Anybody who I I said to write these down Please pull off to the side of the road first Before you write them down Do not write and drive Uh, Kobe Kobe White uh, I thought the criticisms of him not being a playmaker Not being a facilitator were just kind of ludicrous I just kept on wanting to scream He's 19 years old last year, right? Like, he had a horrible start, I think, overall. I think you and I are both in agreement in that before the All-Star game. Mm -hmm. He had a few incredible moments in Memphis in front of his former college coach. There were some really nice moments, but more often than not, they were interspersed with some awful play. Mm -hmm. After the All-Star game, in those 10 games, he averaged 24 points, and his numbers were All-Star, All-Star level. And I think we saw him becoming more consistent, really developing, averaging over – I think he had over six assists during that period, facilitating for others. You know, if that's the guy who is developing into – if that's what he's developing into, we're in, we're in really good hands. And you know, just to me, <clears throat> big picture, you know, I, I, I understand this argument from some of the, the – some people I respect. You know, I know you, I respect you and Doug, and I think you both are kind of like trying to push this – you know, boiling narrative of, you know, should we even start him? And my, my counter to that is who are you starting? Like what does Sato have to do to prove to you guys that he isn't a starter? He's better off coming off the bench. He's not, he shouldn't be ahead of this guy. Kobe White should be starting and end of story. Like, I don't understand the, what's, what are you guys trying to do? Like, what's the advantage? What's the point here? (laughs) Like, if your argument is that, Hey, maybe Kobe White's really just a six man, you know, maybe he's, that's where he's going to top out at. Well, that's fine, but let's find out now. Why are we, what are we, what are we waiting for?
1: Fair enough. What are you arguing about? Fair enough. So uh, just to be clear, I didn't say Sadoransky should start. Um, I was just wondering if it was a fait accompli that Kobe White would start. Now it's seemingly going that way, which I'm fine with, you know, test it, see it. Obviously this is the time to do so, but I don't, I just never, I just never uh, understand this logic that players need to start for them to play meaningful roles on NBA teams. Like last season, and i I've, I, I shared this view on, on Twitter, I shared this view on the podcast that I was more than fine with Kobe coming off the bench last season, in part because I just liked the balance of of the roster and how it sort of played out between sort of having the first unit run through Zach, the second unit through Kobe. And to be clear, I think that is still going to be the case, even if Kobe White starts. Because if you're starting Kobe White and Zach Levine on this team that doesn't really have a lot of backcourt creation on the on the second unit, one of those guys' minutes is going to have to be staggered into that second unit, and I'm Fair. assuming it's going to be Kobe White. So even though these guys may be starting the first five, six minutes of the game together, ultimately one of them is going to get a quick hook and he's going to come back towards the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter, and he's going to be leading that second unit. So whilst... They may be starting together whilst they may play more minutes together than what they did last season. And just to, just to make this very clear, 48% of Kobe's minutes last season was actually shared with Zach Levine. So he played half of his minutes with Levine. Maybe that gets pushed up to 60-70% now going forward. But a good chunk of their minutes are still going to be played apart. And that's just due to the fact that the way the roster is set up. So I, I guess that's more yeah, It I'm just
0: seems. From. It just seems to me more of the arguments made by you and Doug were along the lines of, kobe and zach can't play together and the numbers show that that they haven't played well together and my counter to that is like we have to find that out there's nowhere near a big enough sample size and let's just pretend let's not even talk about starting if these two guys are our two best players they have to finish games together i agree right they're going to be on the court in the fourth quarter so what are we what are we waiting for why are we why are we bringing kobe off the bench to me you know it's it's kind of no use even talking about it now Obviously, the management and Billy Donovan made the right decision. Kobe White's going to start at point guard. So, that problem is solved. One quick note on on, uh, Donovan that I wanted to make, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. I brought this up with Waddle and Sylvie yesterday. So, like, hearing the eloquent, majestic language from Billy Donovan, you know, no spirit, no bulls on the chest, you know, (laughs) any of that nonsense, just copious amounts of basketball knowledge. My question for you, brother, is – When you consider last year, in the first two months alone, the Bulls blew a 26-point lead at at Oklahoma City, 19-point lead against the Lakers, 18-point lead against the Knicks, 10 points against the Cavs, 10 points against the Hornets, all losses, five losses, that I believe uh, was primarily negatively reflected by the head coach. I think those were a lot of those come to rest on his feet. How many more wins will competent leadership from the head coach and Billy Donovan bring for this roster this year?
1: Yeah, look, I'm hoping that it would would be between at least three to five wins. But in reality, the thing that's going to really change or really determine the season is going to be Kobe White. And I, I think his success or failures as the team's primary creator is ultimately going to determine how this team performs. So whilst I would like to think someone like Donovan is probably worth three to five extra wins uh in reality what what may be worth even more wins or maybe yeah it may not even be coaching at that point it may be just the development of the players and more more critically the execution of the players well not the execution of the players but the players executing plays in the critical fourth quarter minutes and someone like kobe may be taking the taking the reins of the offense and making the correct reads and the correct plays at those critical moments, I think that is going to be determine whether the Bulls can sort of amass an extra six, seven wins, whatever the number may be. I think that'll be more critical than the coaching. Uh, having said that, I, I would hope Billy Donovan is is a, enough of an upgrade that we can just bank a, an additional three to five wins. But I, I truly do believe that so much of this season is going to come down to to Kobe White, how he manages as a, a lead guard, let's say. Not to not to mention how his combination with Zach Levine as as a backcourt tandem influences the rest of the roster. So I want to talk about that as well. Like, how do you think their tandem in the backcourt will start influencing the offensive hierarchy now that that Kobe White is maybe playing instead of twenty four minutes a game, he's pushing towards thirty two.
0: Well, let's just start. One second though, the, the correct answer was seven to ten. <laughs> seven to ten wins. Okay. That that's the correct answer. Sure. Uh, back to the, you know, I I want I want to see if this these two guys can become Portland East. You know, if you look at Lillard and, and McCollum and in Portland, they're n- neither of those players is a natural point guard. They're they're combo guards, almost shoot first guards. Um, that's what I think Kobe and Levine can become. And if you look at the way the roster is structured with Otto. Wendell Cutter Jr. and and uh Larry and I think I think Wendell Cutter Jr. I think you would concur has a much higher shooting ceiling than he's been kind of left you know left with the previous team that was running the Zorg Yep. um you know even if you put him in a dunker spot I don't really care but that's where I think the Bulls max out is you put these guys in the right position you have Larry on the perimeter at least initially and you can do run pick and roll action and get a mismatch and then he'll go into the post but if you have your four and your five shooting well enough to spread out the floor it'll create these lanes for for Kobe White and Zach Levine and I think it's going to be something special to behold you know because both those guys that's what they do best in my opinion is uh attack the rim create especially uh, Levine attack the rim draw fouls do incredible things and you can't really do that if you're playing for the Sixers or you can't really do that for some teams the way they're structured uh, where you have big men clogging up the paint and the Bulls are unique in that they have a four and a five that I think can actually pull guys away from the from the lane so uh, that's where I think the Bulls really kind of top out is if you can get Larry hitting at a at a at a high enough rate and I I love Donovan's comments on on uh, Larry Markin and I completely agree like you don't want to relegate him to just catching and shooting threes i agree completely but you can't avoid the fact that all good things emanate from that ability for Laurie and the team you know that's what really makes him special he's a four who's able to shoot extremely well uh, allegedly he just hasn't we just haven't seen it yet so you know he was talking about in this in his rookie year how Lori was blown by some guys on a perimeter well that doesn't happen if you're consistently shooting at 33 34% that happens if you're shooting at 38 40% from three so um you know it all starts with him making a higher degree of three point shots and you know hopefully that's something he's worked on in this past summer but you know big picture Donovan clearly understands um a lot of the strengths of this team I, he already addressed this in in the with Wendell Cutter Jr who I I know you both we both are high on we're definitely on you know believe that he has a significantly higher ceiling on the offensive end and he said that you know he's going to utilize his offensive versatility this season I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with him because I think Wendell Carter Jr. can be an all-star. I think he's already has all-star ability on the defensive end. We just hasn't been utilized correctly offensively.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I certainly agree with parts of what you said, and I want to continue talking about this because I think this is the the most fascinating thing to me, just, just how the offensive hierarchy will play out under Billy Donovan. But before we, we expand in more detail, I want to tell the listeners about this week's sponsors. First, let me tell you about Indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. I also want to tell everyone about BetOnline. Football is back in full swing, people. You may not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take full advantage of all their great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, back to the podcast now, back to C-Red Fred. We are talking about the offensive hierarchy under Billy Donovan, how we think it may sort of start to take shape during preseason and obviously into the into the regular season as we head towards Bulls basketball here. And I, I guess whilst I liked what I heard from Billy Donovan in regards to, to Larry Mark and Fred and whilst I know a lot of Bulls fans out there are expecting a bounce back year from Lowry, expecting him to maybe rediscover that form from his second season where he averaged 19 points, nine rebounds, something, something like that. I think a lot of fans are expecting something very similar, maybe with some improved shooting. I just, uh, I just keep coming back to the Kobe and Levine backcourt and maybe the addition of Otto Porter here for a, hopefully a full season, who knows how, you know, how, obviously health permitting, but where where does Lowry's offense come from? Where does his production come from? Where does his usage, usage come from playing a, with a perimeter trailer of those three guys? And I, I think that's just something that it, it's something to watch because when Lowry has put up big numbers for the Bulls, it's been through years one and two when there hasn't necessarily been a lot of perimeter offense on the team He's been enabled to do things on the perimeter with his, his ball skills. He's obviously had a lot of usage in those times to be more of a scorer than he has, well, most certainly last season at least. He was more of a scorer in years one and two than he was in years three. But I'm just wondering, you know, playing with Levine, playing with Kobe, playing with Otto Porter who's in a contract year, does someone like Larry Markinen, whose game is so heavily dependent on the creation of others, is that ever going to be at the point where we see that 19-9 and 9 Larry Markkinen ever again? Or is he just going to always be someone who's a third, fourth type option who's playing off those lead guards? You
0: know, I hate to say this, but I think it if you ever want Larry to really maximize his potential, I'm not sure it's going to occur with Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why I, I love Zach, I think he's an incredibly talented offensive player, but he's definitely plays a little bit too much hero ball. I watched a lot of games over from last year And, you know, like just some examples are the Bulls are really poor at recognizing when Lowry has that mismatch. You're doing any type of pick and roll action or often in the game, Lowry's going to have a mismatch, right? He's either going to have a big guy on the perimeter, which he can take advantage of, but often if they're doing a pick and roll and there's a switch, he's got a small guy on him. The Bulls were horrific, horrific last year recognizing that. And I hate to admit this, but I thought Zach Levine was guilty of most of the time. Of not realizing that hey, I need to get the ball to Larry Markin in with a with a small you know smaller player with him in the post so he can do something well. Now in defense of Zach, Larry was pretty poor I thought for when he did get the ball last year, but you know theoretically that should be a, a strength of his and he still is a young player and he's still learning and I think you know you kind of saw that with some players. Uh, um, you know it takes a little while to really understand hey I got a smaller guy on me and I'm going to take advantage of him in the post so. You know, I think one of these four guys is going to get moved. I I keep on pointing to Zach. I I just think that eventually he's going to, especially if Kobe White really takes off and they feel he can be the primary scorer and ball handler, I'm not sure that Arturis is going to be, unless Zach changes his game, and I think he can, but if he replicates what he did last year, that's not the kind of thing that Arturis is going to like. Um, There were just far too many times that Zach played hero ball down the stretch. And I saw it in, in the first game. If you guys go back and watch Q4 in the first game, it was it was a horrible display down the stretch. That Indiana game that we blew the seven-point lead again. And I know you get, people are frustrated because, like, you know, he's trying to carry the load. And, and he's a great player, don't get me wrong. And I think he has it in him. If you look at that late-season win at Washington, he was fantastic in that game, facilitating for others. Um, that's why I think big picture, I had a poll last week, Mark, where I said, which one of the following core four Bulls players will benefit the most due to Billy Donovan replacing the inept Jim Boylan. Zach Levine had 9.8%, Kobe White 119 Laurie had 523 and Wendell Carter had 26.1%. Uh, I kind of agree in general, most of that is true. I think Jim Boylan let Zach and Kobe do whatever they wanted. And I think he needed to kind of get them to facilitate more. That didn't happen. Uh, I think Wendell Carter will benefit the most. But Zach's just got to facilitate more. I think he's we're, he's better off. He was, what, 11th in the league in scoring last year? I think we'd be better off with him averaging 20 points and maybe five, six assists, as opposed to 25 and four. You know, I, I just think he has it in him, but we haven't seen it yet. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, look, I, I don't know how I feel about that because – I mean, if we go back to what you said before about maybe making the Bulls the, the, the Blazers East, let's say, where you, you're building around your backcourt, you're, you're, so much of your offense is being produced from your backcourt. You know, if you want to make Levine and Kobe some sort of version of Dame Lillard and, and CJ McCollum, then in that situation, a player like Larry will always be a third option at best. And like I said, you've got Otto to think about, you've got Carter to think about, you've got Patrick Williams to think about. There's, there's other offensive opportunities for other guys to come through as well. So I don't know. And just to defend Zach Levine here to some degree, I mean, if I'm Zach Levine and I'm the only one really turning up, particularly last season and through the first few months of the season, I mean, Larry Markinen was averaging 13 points on 13 shots during the first 20-odd games last season. He's shooting the ball 35% during those 20-odd games. And now I know a lot of fans like to put it on Boylan that the way Larry was used was on Boylan, that his struggles was on Boylan and those sorts of things. But ultimately, a lot of his shots were open catch and shoot shots. And through the first 20-odd games last season, Larry just couldn't make a shot. Now, if I'm someone like Zach Levine who's seeing players that I'm passing the ball to absolutely, you know, just clanking jumpers, I will go back into hero ball because I'm the only one making shots so at that point, I, I kind of feel for Zach Levine because he's playing with a lot of duds out there on, on occasions or he's playing with guys who have some skill, but I haven't necessarily transferred that skill in theory into practice. So I don't know. I, I, I defend Levine more in those situations than I do marketing. I do wonder where Larry fits in all this and to, to answer your your question from a poll point of view, I think. I think is actually the one that's going to maybe not suffer, that would be too strong of a word, but I just feel if anyone's most likely or most prone to fall down the wayside through the offensive hierarchy, it's someone like Markkinen who throughout the years has always been a timid offensive player, or at least has let has let others come through and, and take his place. Like Kobe White pretty easily came through the offensive hierarchy last season into being essentially the, the second option on the team. Uh, Lowry's comfortable with that happening, so uh, I, I need to that's see more point. from Larry to, to sort of suggest that he wants to be a focal point on offense before I just assume that you know whatever changes Billy Donovan puts in place will we'll, uh, we'll, will vault him back to some sort of form that we all hope he can have.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a great point you make, Mark, because you know as a coach who's had a lot of kids go, you know, I've coached a lot of kids throughout the years, and I, I think I see it in some kids, and I, I question if Larry's like this too, where. You know some kids have a really good work ethic and a lot of kids do right but if you if you can't combine that work ethic with a uh, like a really it's it's hard to describe what kind of attitude I'm trying to describe but it's almost like a an attitude that I need to destroy I need to dominate yeah. the opposition That's what truly makes a great player, having those two combinations. I've seen players who want to destroy but don't have the work ethic, believe it or not. Um, But I think there's more of them like Laurie, who I I think has a good work ethic, and I think he's a nice kid, great kid. But I don't think when he gets out on the court, he wants to dominate the game. And I I just don't get that vibe from him. I think Zach has it. I think Kobe White has it. Not sure about Wendell, but it's something you really have to have to become a transcendent player. And um, you know, I don't know if he does. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's he's shown in international ball, but he doesn't. He hasn't shown it yet with any consistency.
1: Yeah, I, I feel I feel the same. I mean, like, and this extends to Carter because Carter was very passive last season, and, and even in times during his rookie season. But Kobe and Zach have that that uh, that uh, confidence, let's say. And and I would just wish sometimes they would challenge that channel that into maybe more of what Larry and Wendell do, ironically. But at the same time, Larry and Wendell need some of that confidence that those two guards need. If we could somehow, uh, you know, correct that balance between all four players, that that would be an interesting dynamic. And just that itself may uh, dictate the offensive hierarchy a little bit better. That that would be intriguing to me. But just coming back to that, and I mean. For whatever reason, the Chicago Bulls always have a front court logjam. I think the drafting of Patrick Williams only sort of adds to that. So in in, in, in thinking about the Bulls moving forward, and I think you agree with me that Patrick Williams is probably better served as a power forward than a small forward, at least more generically. Well, obviously, it's match dependent. Maybe he can guard some threes, but I think more generally, I think he's better suited guarding fours. So knowing that... I'm interested to see what Donovan does, maybe less so in preseason because it's only four games, but obviously through the start of the regular season, how he manages that front front court rotation with Larry, with Wendell, but also, you know, the fact that you've got Otto a small forward, you've got Chandler Hutchinson seemingly healthy at this point. The Bulls are wanting to put an extension in place with Larry Mark, and Larry wants to extend with the Bulls here. How does he manage all that? Whilst also having someone like that on the bench as well. So how do you think Donovan is going to manage this? Front court logjam, which seemingly is going to exist through the first first few months of the season.
0: I don't believe that Williams is going to get a ton of playing time to start off the season. I disagree with a lot of people who are saying, "Ah, oh, he's going to get a ton of minutes." I don't think so. I I think they're going to really ease him in, and uh, you know, I've watched a lot of tape on him in the interim since the draft. I've he's an incredible athlete. I, I found him. I, I really believe he can guard any four in this league, but he, to me, he was a little bit underwhelming against the, the quicker threes and twos. He's an excellent help defender. He's got a lot of great skills, but I don't believe he's a three. You know, some people in, are, are kind of arguing that, and I think Artur has kind of basically made that argument on draft night, and I don't see it. I think he's going to have trouble defensively as a three. Um, you know, regardless, he's a rookie. He's going to be in foul trouble. He's the, the Rookies rarely are treated well in the defensive end, and I think by all accounts that's where his strengths are right now. He, he has a lot of growing to do in the offensive end. I don't think he's going to play until at the trade deadline. When I would be shocked uh, if the Bulls don't trade, um, you know, Otto Sato or um, you know, Dad Young. One of those guys, or even Otto, one of those three players, I'm pretty sure is going to go to a contender. I think they'll be in demand, uh, and I would be shocked if they're not. If they don't get traded, it's for one. It's to me, it's for one reason. One of those three players, and that's the Bulls have performed much better than expected, which is a good problem to have. And I could also see that, right? You know, I think I, I kind of brought up, I think Billy Donovan is worth seven to 10 games, just competent coaching, having a team buy into what he's saying, really understanding the strengths of his team and, 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 you know, building an offense and defense around the strengths of the team, not just, you know, requiring the ta- talent to adapt to the system. But the other thing is health. Like the odds should be in our favor, having four straight seasons, let's say we get another rash of injuries, is almost unprecedented. If you look at the amount of injuries we've had to rotation players in the last three years, expecting better health is a completely reasonable expectation for this season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'd highly doubt there's a team in NBA who has lost more games to rotation players than the Bulls in the last three years. There may be, I'd be shocked. Um, So, Expecting the team to be more healthy this year, I don't think is is crazy. And if if it is more healthy and you have auto play in 60 games, how many wins does that return? How many wins? I I think it's five, 10, right? I mean, if you add it all up, the team should be significantly better. And I guess this gets to the heart of what your original, original question is. What do we expect about this team?
1: Yeah, it's, it's 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 a fair point and I look I I I'm based on what they've said about Patrick Williams I'm expecting them maybe to give him more of a chance on the perimeter uh, I, like I said I think he's more of a four maybe I'm wrong maybe he's got more ball skills maybe he's got more lateral quickness than what I've seen on tape that he can maybe play more minutes at on you know on the perimeter and maybe initially at least he's sort of competing with Chandler Hutchinson for those backup three minutes and maybe he's maybe he's playing some some minutes here and there with the starters but um yeah I I guess if they if they he's just a four then that's when it becomes a potential problem with Larry Markkinen and and Wendell Carter and Thad Young but I really do think they are going to test him at on the wing to sort of avoid that situation to see what he can do but I think that's going to be an interesting experiment as well just to see how that unfolds but uh, I do agree I mean like if Otto Porter is a I don't know if he has the ability to stay healthy anymore, but if he does, then that really does change things for from an outlook point of view. I mean, if he's not here, it really takes away from your perimeter defense. It takes away from a good a good shooting option, maybe one of your better shooting options from the perimeter. It does really change the, I guess, the landscape here for the Bulls. Uh, he, to me, at least, Otto is a completely... I, I don't know if I can bank on him just from a health standpoint, but like you sort of noted... I don't know if he's if he's long for Chicago at this point. I mean, I, I, I'm expecting at some point that the Bulls are going to be selling off players at the deadline. And I just wanted to quickly touch on that. You sort of raised it that maybe Thad, Otto or Sato, maybe one of those guys is moved at the deadline. But I mean, is there anything else that you expect to happen at the deadline? Are you predicting or expecting um, anyone else to be moved or who is the most likely candidate to, to be uh, to be gone by the deadline and who do you think remains here post the deadline?
0: Well, I'd say the most likely candidate is Levine uh, yeah. just because I think he'll be in demand. People will want a score like that. And I think Levine would thrive with a contender as like a third score position. I don't think he's the best as like, you know, first or second option, but he can absolutely step in and do some great things for a team that's in contention. And I, I don't want it to be so, but let's just, play this out you know it's going to be a white and living backcourt and if we start losing and we're not we don't we're not playing well to be to start out the season you know eventually Zach's probably going to get most of the heat because he's the best theoretically the best player in his team he's never won anywhere right he's never won in Chicago never won in, in uh, Minnesota I just think Arturis is he's probably not if you, if you look at what the type of player a tourist likes, a more pass-first, move-the-ball type of player, I'm not sure Zach fits into that mold. And I think he could bring the highest ROI, so I would not be shocked if the, if he was moved at the trade deadline. I'm not saying I'd want that, but if we go south, if we, things do not go well, that's what I would expect just because I think he'd be the most marketable asset. Larry marketing is a little bit more difficult. You know, obviously he's going into a restricted contract year, um, you know, I've argued, and I disagree with Doug on this one, that just the mere fact if Larry Markin plays the entire season up until the trade deadline, that's a plus. And he should be able to garner more than he is right now. If you look at trade ceilings and trade floors, we have two players approaching their trade ceiling. To me, it's Levine and Kobe White. Markin and Carter are at their trade floor. That's my biggest argument against all these morons who are arguing, why aren't they making more moves? Why aren't they trading these guys? Even if our tourists wanted to trade Markin or Carter, I think it'd be an extremely dumb decision to trade them in this offseason when they're literally at their trade floor. We all know they're better players than what they've shown. What are you going to get for those guys? I I, I would be shocked if you could even get a number one pick, for, late number one pick for Larry Markin. In might be wrong on that. Regardless, I think they're going to both play better and improve their value. But I think, if, if to answer your question, out of those four, Levine is the most likely to be moved. Now, if they both hit the ground running and they're winning, and Levine and White really look great, well, he's probably going to run with this as is, and I don't expect any of those four guys to be moved. In fact, he might not move Otto. Um, I expect maybe Thad Young to be moved, yeah. out of, if, the, if that's the next question. And the reason why, you got 48 minutes at the power forward position, right? Larry's going to take the vast majority of those minutes probably, and the other guy's Thad Young. And you have Patrick Williams, who t- I agree with you is a four, not a three. He won't be playing, and I'm predicting nearly as many minutes as most would expect. Dad Young will be getting most of those minutes. And Dad's a great player, and he'll play his way into a trade with a contender who will want a quality vet like Dad Young. So I expect him to be moved at the trade that line out of those three, I think he's probably the most valuable just in the fact that he's a winner and any team in contention would want him. You know, my biggest concern, Mark, taking our step back is like I really want this team to compete for the playoffs. I think we should. But if you look, you know we're better than the Cavs. We're be- you know even with a corral, we're better than the Cavs. The Knicks, we're better than the Knicks. We're better than the Pistons. I think Orlando losing Jonathan Isaac will be devastating. They also lost D.J. Augustine. I think we're better than all those teams. Mm-hmm. Charlotte is better. Atlanta is significantly better.
1: Washington after trading for Russell Westbrook it, it, should probably be. I, better. I agree.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like I know in the long run, there may be a win for the Rockets. Maybe. But this year, there's no question to me, the Wiz have improved their team, right? I mean, yeah. so those three teams are are significantly better, uh, more so Atlanta and, and the Wizards. Ha- are we just going to be that much better because of health and, and a new coach? I don't know. I don't know, right? So, um, you know, I'm still feeling like we'll make the playoffs. I, I definitely think we're going to get into the, you know, top 10 where we get to play in type of thing, maybe at 9 or 10. But, you know... I'm not feeling as good about beating out Atlanta. I'm not feeling as good about beating out the Wizards now. You know, I, that's another thing too. I think everybody's kind of poo-pooed this trade. Do you agree with me? Like, I think the Wizards are significantly better.
1: Yeah, I actually, this is a win for the Wizards as far as I'm concerned. I mean, John Wall hasn't played agree. for two seasons now. It, maybe he's healthy. Maybe he comes back and contributes and plays basketball. Maybe he plays sixty games out of a 72 game season that we've got coming up but is it the same Wall John Wall that we saw before the injury the a John Wall that was so uh so devastatingly quick but has now suffered you know knee injuries Achilles injuries is is, is are we getting the same John Wall I'm not convinced about that so at this mm-hmm. point whilst uh, I don't know what John Wall is returning whilst I do know Russell Westbrook yeah he has his flaws clearly a problematic player at times during a regular season, he's going to raise your floor. So the fact that they're going to have a an all NBA caliber player now on their squad ultimately improves them. So I I, I agree. I think this is a definite win for for the Wizards and the, and the and the draft pick that they gave up in the trade. It has so many uh, protections on it that it's unlikely to convey to a first round pick anyway. It'll probably most likely be two yeah. second rounders because um, it's essentially lottery protected, or if it's not lottery protected, it's like top eight or top 10, which in a few years time, the, the Wizards are probably going to be in the lottery anyway. So the Wizards won't get, uh, sorry, they, the Rockets won't get that pick. So I, I agree. I think this is a really good trade for the Wizards. I, I I currently have the Bulls sitting outside of the playoffs, but in a similar tier to the Wizards, in the similar tier to the Hornets and maybe the Magic, I do agree that the Bulls should be better than the Magic, but those are the four teams that I sort of see, have sitting outside of the, the playoffs with Atlanta sort of jumping up into that eighth seed.
0: Yeah, but if you look, if you look at the Wizards really quick, I gotta say, because some people are arguing about are they really better. I think they're significantly better with Westbrook because you've kind of surrounded him with, you know, you got Bertans, Denny, Thomas Bryant's Denny a. a good three point, sh- De- not Denny. We're not <laughs> counting Denny. <laughs> Denny's not extending anybody, but you got Bertans, you got Bryant, who's a nice three point shooter yeah. for a center. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I, I really think that's a great recipe for having maximizing Westbrook's talent. Bradley Beal can shoot it. You got uh, Hichimura, who I really liked last year. Robin Lopez is on that team. You know, I mean, like, I think they're significantly better than um, yeah. they were last year, yep. and that's a team I'm worried about now. You know, like
1: Troy Brown Jr. is good too, as well on the wing there for them. Yeah. As well. so yeah, I, I think they've got a good seven to eight man rotation now. Obviously. A lot of this is going to be determined by health, and unfortunately, a lot of this is going to be determined by COVID. Unfortunately, I will see. I think the teams who do well in terms of keeping COVID at bay and, and maybe having it not filter through their squad, it will ultimately determine these sorts of rankings and tiers and how the playoffs shape out and those sorts of things. But you know, taking COVID out of the equation, uh, the equation rather, I I do feel similarly that uh the Wizards. I think, are probably better than the Bulls right now. I would have them slightly above. They've probably got more uh, more sure things, more veteran presence, more guys that I feel more confident in, let's say. But I, I think the Bulls are there in terms of they can work themselves in a play-in tournament position, maybe get into that ninth or 10th seed. And if they're able to get into that play, play-in tournament, then it just takes one or two games and maybe they can swing and get past the Atlanta Hawks and in that sense, make the playoffs. But I'm not expecting them to be the 7th or 8th seed. But... Uh, I, I, maybe you feel differently.
0: I, I, well, I, I kind of unfortunately agree with you. I think there will be anywhere from 7 to 10. Yeah. And I think the worst case scenario is if they end up 9 or 10. And for that reason, and the reason why is that would mean they showed a little bit of improvement, they got into the playoffs, but we're still probably left wondering what's the ceiling for this team. And you've played well enough to ruin your draft position mm-hmm. in the 2021 draft. Which is meant so, to be a
1: loaded draft as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. So to me, like, I'd rather be awful. I'd rather be awful, get in this draft, get a really changing player, and then we'll just do a complete rebuild going forward. This this group or set isn't working. Or I'd like to see Kobe White take a jump, Laurie take a jump, Wendell Carter take a jump, and then we're a seven seed. You know, or even battling for six, I don't think Indiana is anything, you know, I don't think they're an incredible team. I think, you know, there's there's four or five really good teams in the East and then, you know, there's Indiana and, well, obviously the Nets are pretty good too now. So six, seven, eight to me is where we should be hopefully residing if we get any kind of a jump from Kobe White, Wendell, Carter Jr., and Larry. And you know, Zach remains playing exceptionally well, coaches improvement, you know, some nice play from our rookie. Then I'll be feeling good. But 9 or 10, oh, that would be just the worst case scenario to me. Still too many questions and us really wondering what's the ceiling for this team.
1: Yeah, look, I agree. And maybe to close out this conversation and come back to our starting point, I think that reality is why Karnaschovas maybe didn't necessarily go too hard during this off-season. And, and I say this for a number of reasons. But but firstly, I mean, there probably wasn't a move out there to be made that credibly made this team a lot better, or at least made them a sure, surefire playoff team. In my mind, that was Chris Paul, but I understand why some people disagree. And maybe Karnaschovas obviously feels the same. But I don't think a, a, another move like that or anything else out there made this team a surefire playoff team where you could sort of point them in towards a direction where they were going to be you know, significantly better, jumping the Hawks, jumping the Wizards. I don't think a deal like that existed in free agency. I don't think a trade existed like that. So maybe knowing that and knowing that this 2021 draft is sitting there in the background, looming in the background, and like we sort of discussed before, that maybe if things don't start well, Maybe you start trading off someone like Otto or Thad, or maybe, maybe you trade Zach Levine. At that point, you can sort of reemerge and go towards a tank. Now, I know a lot of fans won't want to hear the word tank at this point, but I think it's a realistic option because at this point, there's probably only three to five teams who are seemingly going to be bad enough to play for the tank right now. And the reason for that is so many teams are going, guard- are sort of guarding their cap space or creating their cap space for 2021 based on what Giannis is going to do his decision ultimately uh, is going to impact the league it's going to impact the Bulls because as an example and I, and I posted this not posted but I mentioned this example on the Bulls beat with Doug but if Giannis were to sign an extension with Milwaukee before the season starts then to your point before around Zach Levine's trade trade worth or trade value to a team who was sort of conserving cap space for Giannis someone like the Dallas Mavericks, let's say, maybe if Giannis signs his extension with Milwaukee, he's not going to be a free, free agent. A uh, Teams like that who were previously sort of, uh, you know, like I said, guarding their cap space or creating gap yep. space for Giannis, maybe those teams pivot. They look at Chicago. They look at the assets on Chicago, like, like Zach Levine. And at that point, maybe someone like Levine returns you more value. You get a trade for Levine. You pivot your team that's maybe not doing uh, as well as you'd hoped and you go towards that tank. So, that is another great reason point. why I think, uh, great. why I kind of was maybe a little coy to make some, some wholesale changes here. Cause the, that, I don't think any existed that really made this team or, or push this team forward in any market way. So
0: that's a great point. Yeah. And that's a great team too. Like that's exactly, I, I never, I'll never believe, um, I think Dallas is fooling, fooling themselves if they really feel that, you know, Giannis is a. Uh, Dallas is a destination for him. I don't think he would go there and join – become a member of, you know, his team just because – you know, Lucas' team just because why? You know, they'll win. I'm not sure they're good enough to beat the Lakers even together, bringing themselves together. And it's not his team. It's still Lucas' team. I don't – I just never understood – I understand the fit and all the reasons why they'd be great together. I just don't think he's going to leave Milwaukee for that. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Like I I – I, I really hope you're right. Like I want him to sign with Milwaukee for that reason that I think it does open up possibilities for us, absolutely, with all these teams throughout. And maybe we can really garner – but, you know, what, is, what does Dallas have left outside of many draft picks in the future, which hopefully we can get? Um, but that's what we'll have to do if this team is bad. Because yeah, if we're bad sure. again, at some point you got to say, hey, Zach, you're part of it. Right. I mean, you can't just say Zach's the, the world would it be without Zach. He, it, we're still not winning with him. So, what good is it to have him on the team?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I, I'm in 100% agreement. I, I love, I, I I never really thought it out, but I think that's a great point you made about, uh, you know, potentially um, if he signs, if, if Giannis signs before. The season starts, it's going to open up a lot more possibility.
1: Uh, look, I, I, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I've just convinced myself into this, and maybe I am just finding a, 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 a you know, an additional justification as to, uh, to to find a way to explain the the Bulls' lack of inactivity or lack of activity rather this, this through this off season. But uh, even in me trying to maybe talk myself into it, I think it is fair to say that the, the majority of the league is hinging. On on Giannis's decision, and you know, trading someone like Levine maybe becomes uh, a lot easier of a scenario when we know what something someone like Giannis is doing. Maybe someone is more inclined to take on someone like Thad or Sadaransky or Otto Potter in the arms race at the deadline once teams know exactly, you know, what Giannis is doing, are going to be doing, what their cap position may or may not be heading into the next season. So uh, and ultimately, that impacts the Bulls, who most likely can only improve at this point via trades. So uh, it's all connected. It's I think it's all part of a bigger picture. We'll see how it all plays out. Obviously, Bulls preseason is coming up very soon. Frederick, I'm excited for Bulls basketball to be back, and I'm excited that you came back on the podcast. It's been a while since we last caught up. But um, thank you for doing so, my friend.
0: It was glorious, and I will. Uh, it was a pleasure, and I will fulfill my bet before the season starts. Where I I'll read that ridiculous. Statement you gave probably not in a uh, altogether altogether serious fashion, <laughs> but I will read it as as, a stip, as stipulated by the bet, and uh, so that everybody should enjoy that. A lot of good stuff coming up. I got a pub. I got to pub a few things. Big Red Bus with the great one Doug Tonis. You got to check that out. Uh, Chicago Bullseye, and we actually have I actually have t-shirts coming out. Oh, beautiful! Are you ready for that? I could, I, yeah, I yeah. yeah. My lo- The logo is so it's cool. Right? The Chicago Bullseye logo. So. Um, you know, with the, with the magical numbers, uh, the only thing I wanted to do, but I thought it'd be too, just a little too ridiculous, was to put a seven in the middle. <laughs> so put a four, ten, tw- twenty three, thirty three, and a seven. You know, with all my seven picking seventeen, yeah. I don't want to go through the whole. That no, plays that mantra. <laughs> okay, but anyhow, check it out. That'll, that'll be coming too. You know, what? I'm going to send you one for free. So. Oh.
1: You, look, it'll, it'll cost you probably a million dollars to get the shipping down here, but uh, I appreciate it none, nonetheless. But um, for those that aren't aware of what Fred was talking to talking about in terms of reading out that thing, we had a season long bet last season that the Bulls wouldn't win. Was it what was the the line, Fred? Was it forty three games?
0: It was. I think it was forty. Yeah, forty three or forty two. And I, yeah, of course, just in time, COVID hit just as but I lost. Still
1: mathematically game. though, I we weren't going to win anyway. So I technically won the bet. I mean, winning the bet. The, the part of, or, you know, the redeeming part of the bet for me in terms of my win was that you would have to record a video professing your love for Kirk Heinrich in a statement that I had prepared, prepared for you uh, a little bit earlier. And you were said to have been doing that or completing that video by June of 2020. It's obviously December 2020. So... You are always late to things, um, so I'm not very surprised, but um, I will hold this to you as will the listeners of Bulls HQ. We want that Kirk Heinrich video before the regular season starts
0: you got it brother it'll, it'll come It yeah, sounds good fair enough <laughs> well uh,
1: thank you for coming back on the show frederick i do i always do enjoy talking to you bulls fans go follow fred on twitter follow his podcast do all that sort of stuff and whilst you're out there doing that with fred hit me up on twitter too at mk hoops follow the show on twitter as well bulls hq pod um hit me up on the email as well if you want to have an extended conversation via email if you want to be part of our discord forum and you want the link send me an email, BullsHQPod at gmail.com. But that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Again, thank you to Frederick. Bulls basketball is a week away, folks, so we'll be back when preseason gets rolling here. We'll be back covering the preseason games, how these Bulls look. We'll be talking about everything that we discussed today and seeing how it all plays out, so I'm excited. Let's get ready for Bulls basketball. Speak soon, Bulls fans.
0: The Bread Leviathan cometh.